Blog Talk Radio. For the next hour, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at goforitgan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can hit us up here in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan as we talk sports and have fun doing it. We're going to talk a lot today. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. First and foremost, Derrick Rose. What's his comments off base? You'll get my opinion in a moment. Michael Vick. Michael Vick tells us that if he was the starter for the Jets from day one, the Jets would have had a better record. Well, right now the Jets are 2-8. and eight. And Michael Vick says if he was the starter from day one, the record would have been better. We'll go through and look at the Jets' schedule, and we'll see if the record for the New York Jets could have possibly been better. One thing about Michael Vick, he's had a hard time staying healthy. So health has has to be in the equation when it comes to Michael Vick. Mark Sanchez. Can the Philadelphia Eagles actually win a Super Bowl with Mark Sanchez? Can the Arizona Cardinals actually win a Super Bowl with Drew Stanton? LeBron James and everything else. we got a lot of things to talk about. And I'm going to start first and foremost with Derrick Rose. First of all, Derrick Rose has a hamstring injury. He is day-to-day at this point in time. So he's day-to-day. And so at this point, it's a hamstring strain. At this point, he's day-to-day. And, and when it comes to Derrick Rose, you know, uh, you just never know. I mean, last week, the guy sprained both of his ankles. And we all know, over the years, Derrick Rose has not played many basketball games. So anytime Derrick Rose goes down on any level, people are scared. People, people are scared, and, and people, said, people continue to say, there it goes again. It's happening again. Derrick Rose is down again. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening again. And it's understandable. I know I heard Joe Kim Noah talk about it last night. He was talking about relax and, you know, stealing from Aaron Rodgers and LeBron. He's saying relax when talking about Derrick Rose. And I get that. I I totally get that. But it's hard not to overreact when Derrick Rose goes down because the reality is Derrick Rose has been going down the past two seasons. It's commonplace for Derrick Rose to go down. It happens a lot. And so the reality is people are going to overreact, and it's natural, and it's okay. It's okay because Derrick Rose has went down the last two seasons, so it's understandable. It's okay. But Derrick Rose tells us a couple days ago, hey, I want to be at my kids' graduations, and I don't want to be limping around, and I want to be good when I'm old. And I get that. We all want to be good when we're old, and we we all don't want to limp around, limp around when we're old. We don't want to have arthritis and any anything like that. We don't have, want to have none of those things. But the reality is this, and, and Derrick Rose, $100 million contract with the Bulls, $200 million, $200 million contract, excuse me, from Adidas, So the guy has a lot of money coming his way. And so the average Joe, they don't want to hear that. Your your average factory worker, he don't want to hear somebody talking to a guy that's going to make in excess of $300 million. He don't want to hear him saying, oh, I don't want to limp around. No, nobody wants to hear that. Your, Your average dude working Monday through Friday, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that, Derek. You're not going to get sympathy from people talking that. People don't care. And then Charles Barkley talked about it. And he, and he was 
he said it right. You know what? Charles Barkley said, look, I got a lot of money. Yeah, I'm limping around my house a little bit. I'm, I'm limping a little bit, but I got a lot of money. My body's sore sometimes, but I got a lot of money. And, and my life is great. And if you're Derrick Rose, you got a lot of money, and your life is great. So when, 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 when you say those type of things, people are not going to hear that. They're just not. They're not going to hear that. And if they do hear it, they're going to listen, but they're not going to have any sympathy for you. They can't relate. The average Joe can't relate to $300 million that you're about to get, that you will get at some point. They can't relate to that. You're on another level. You're on a level that a lot of people will never get to. Kudos to you. Congrats to you. But people, players, sometimes have to understand, people for that matter, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so you you just don't think you're going to make that kind of money and just live in a bubble and nobody's going to criticize you. You can't expect that. That's the unexpected. You can't expect that. You're not going to live in a bubble, and then no one's not going to just say anything to you because you got a lot of money. And people go to see you play. They go to be entertained by you. They don't care. I mean, most people really don't care about you, the athlete, or, or the person, I should say. They care about you, the athlete. They care about what you can do for them. If you could put the ball in the basket, if you could defend, if you could do those things and ultimately win a championship for the fans, that's all they care about. No one cares about Derrick Rose, the man. People care about Derrick Rose, the basketball player, and that's just real. So if Derrick Rose was hoping to garner some kind of sympathy from the mass public, well, guess what? He's not going to get it. Most people don't care. They don't care. Derek, they don't care. They'll never care. You make $300 million. Everything in life is a trade-off. It's a trade-off. If you go to school and become a doctor and you don't date, well, guess what? You might be 40 and alone. If you work in a factory and, and you're, you're – you're, doing all different types of things with your body. Guess what? You might have arthritis when you get older. You might start walking like Fred Sanford. Well, if you're walking like Fred Sanford and you got $100 million in the bank, was it worth it? Probably so. Probably so. And that's the reality when it comes to Derrick Rose. You're going to have all this money in the bank if you do it right. You're going to have all this money in the bank if you do it right. That's if you do it right. I mean, we've seen it over the years. Antoine Walker, you lost a lot of money. Mike Tyson, you lost a lot of money. So we've seen it. We've seen it over the years. So this is, it's not anything new. We've seen it. So if Derrick Rose does things right and, and lives the right way and, 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 and just is economical with his money and his spending, he should be good to go. But, Derek, most people – don't care, will never care, and that's just the reality of your situation. What people care about is are you on the basketball court and are you producing? Are you doing that? And if you're doing those things, people will care. Bottom line, point blank. Let's go to the Philadelphia 76ers now. And last night, first of all, let me put this out there. First and foremost, lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan. Love this team. And the reality is, I love what Sam Hinkie is doing. I, I'm okay with tanking. Tanking. I'm okay with, with with losing, essentially on purpose. I'm okay with that. Well, and, and and it sucks. I mean, because last year I didn't have an NBA season when it came to the Sixers. This year I won't have an NBA season when it comes to the Sixers. That's just the reality of my situation as a fan of the Philadelphia 76ers. That's just my reality. My life, my reality. It is what it is. But I'm okay with it because it's for the greater good. The Boston Celtics, they tanked. And guess what? They compiled assets. And guess what? They parlayed those assets into Kevin Garnett, into Ray Allen, 
added that to Paul Pierce, and they became the big three. And they added Rondo, of course, in the draft. And they became the big three. And they won a championship. They won a title. They produced. They had success. It can happen. San Antonio Spurs, they tanked. Got Tim Duncan. We all know what Tim Duncan has brought to the table. Tim Duncan, five chips. We all know what he's produced. We all know what he has done. The Sixers are losing on purpose. That's the bottom line. They're losing on purpose. There's not many. Let's go, let's go down their roster. Let's just go through this exercise. Let's go down their roster and let's see how many legitimate NBA players are on the Philadelphia 76ers roster. Michael Carter-Williams. Yes, he's legit. Brandon Davies. Does he belong in the NBA? Hmm. Probably not. And if he does, he's on the bench somewhere on a good team. Joel Embiid, we don't know. Drew Gordon, well, he just got the call up from the 87, uh, the D-League version of the Sixers. He got the call up, so we'll see what he can bring to the table. But he came from the D-League. Jeremy Grant, he's a second-round draft pick. We'll see what he brings to the table. But he's at this point in time, we don't know what he is. Chris Johnson, I think the first third word you comes to your mind is who? Bayamute, Luke Richard Bayamute, he's a fringe player in this league. K.J. McDaniels, well, I guess when it's all said and done, he's going to be a bench guy. Nerland's Noel, I, what is Nerland Noel, what's his ceiling? Is it Theo Ratliff, is that his ceiling? Samuel Dallenberg, is that his ceiling? We don't know, but I think he's an NBA player. Jason Richardson, he's hurt. Jakar Sampson, who? I mean, we could go down. Alexei Sved, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's had some moments. He's had He has some athleticism, but is he an NBA player? I don't know. Henry Sims, he's put some numbers up, but is he an NBA player? Questionable. Hollis Thompson, questionable. Tony Roten, he is an NBA player, but to what extent? He is an NBA player, but to what extent? extent? I mean, so I look at it. I look at these this roster, and it stinks. And it purposely stinks because the Sixers are tanking. That's what you do. That's what you do when you tank. You, 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 you just compile assets and trade everybody away and have a bunch of second-rounders and, and, and lose on purpose so you can get better, and it's okay because the NBA is the, the way the system is set up. You don't want to be the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, Atlanta Hawks get to the playoffs every single year. But they're out in the first, second round. You know they have no shot to win a title. You don't want to be that. That's what the Sixers were with Andre Iguodala and and that that roster, led by Iguodala, Evan Turner, Thaddeus Young. That was a roster that was built to win – not even maybe win a playoff game, not a series, a playoff game or two. Make the series interesting, competitive. But that's not going to win a series. And, you know, it got lucky when Derrick Rose went down in that uh, playoff series against the Bulls. They got lucky, and it got to the second round. But they never would have gotten to the second round if Derrick Rose didn't get hurt. So it got lucky. But the reality is the Sixers, are built to stink. They're stanking and they're tanking. And it's okay. I'm okay with it. Don't get me wrong, I'm okay with it. it. I'm fine with it. It's great. It's okay. They stink. It's okay. They may not win 10 ball games this year. It's okay. It's fine. That's, that's great. They might not win anytime soon. And that's just a real look at this look at their schedule. Let's go through that exercise and let's see when the Sixers will finally win. They're going through Texas right now. They're at Houston tonight. They're not winning. They're at San Antonio on Monday. They're not winning. So they're gonna be 0 and ten. They're gonna be 0 and ten. I guess I gotta ask ask this question. Will they win in the month of November? They have Boston at home. That's an opportunity to win. 
Phoenix at home, they're not going to win. They go to New York November 22nd. That's an opportunity to Knicks stink. Portland at home, they're probably going to lose. Brooklyn at home, they're probably going to lose. And Dallas at home. There is a good possibility that the Philadelphia 76ers, by time November is over, there's a good chance they'll be, oh, what's that, 0-12, oh, 14, 0-16. Oh, 0-16 oh, by time, the, by the end of November. 0-16. Oh, and, and you know what, truth be told, I thought about buying a, a an 11-game plan with the Philadelphia 76ers. I thought about it. I thought about it. Keyword, thought about it. But then I started saying to myself, okay, when San Antonio comes to town, I want to see Tim Duncan. Well, we know Pop likes to sit his starters. I want to see Duncan. I want to see Parker. So it's a good possibility that those two, they might not play that day. That's a great possibility. Well, I want to see LeBron in Philadelphia. I want to see when when Cleveland comes to town. Guess what? There's a good possibility February 2nd when – actually, it's not February. It's another time. I don't know where it's – I think it's in January when LeBron comes to town. But there's a good chance that LeBron may not play. They might rest LeBron because it's against the Philadelphia 76ers. So the, the point I'm trying to make is, Obviously, when you're watching the Sixers, you're going down to see who they will play. You're not going down to watch Hollis Thompson. You're not going down there to watch Henry Sims. You're not going down there to watch Brandon Davies. You're not. You're going down there to see them play LeBron or and the Cavaliers, Kobe and the Lakers, Melo and the Knicks, Durant and OKC. John Wall in Washington. I mean, and that's what you're. That's what why you're going down to the Wells Fargo Center, not to see. And he, we had him on the show, and he's a talented player. But at the end of the day, it's a bad product, and I'm okay with the plan. This it, it's fine. Heck, they can go 0 and 82, and I'll be fine. I'll be happy. I'll be happy. Give me a top pick and give me a superstar. Because one thing I know, that win championships in the NBA, there are two ways to go. But over the history has told us that the best way to go, the easiest way to go, is to get to get a superstar. Cleveland and LeBron. And when he won his championships, he was in Miami. Superstar. Tim Duncan in San Antonio. Five championships, superstar, Kobe and the Lakers, five titles. You get the point. You get the point. The only team really that was put together as a team that really did not have a superstar in the last, what, the last 20 years is the 2004 Pistons with Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, that team. That was the last team, the last collection of, of, of stars that was put together to win a title. There was no superstars on that team. There was no superstars on that team. I mean, we look at the last few champions. Look at the last few titles. San Antonio won it last year. Miami won it two years. Won it the last two years before that. You know, so you, you get the you get the point. You get the point. The point is, the point is that there are two ways to go in the NBA, but the easiest way and the way that seems to work the most is you need stars. Stars win titles. Stars win titles. They win titles. History has told us that. that that's what history has shown us. Let's look at let's look at the last fourteen. Let's look at it from 2000 to 2014. Well, from 2000 to 2002, Shaq and Kobe and the Lakers won championships, superstars. 2004, we have the Pistons. Guess what? That was a collection of stars, no superstars. 
2005, San Antonio, Timmy Duncan. That's uh, Tony Parker. Ginobili, that's a team with stars. Tim Duncan's a superstar. You can argue that Tony Parker at this point in time is a superstar. 2006, the Miami Heat, Wade and Shaq. 2007, the Spurs, Tim Duncan. 2008, the big three of Boston, KG, Ray Allen, Pierce. 2009, 2010, Kobe, Gasol, and the Lakers, Lamar Odom as well. 2011, Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks. You get the point. You get the point. So there's two ways to go. There's two ways to go, but the easiest way and the easiest route over the years, it shows us that you need a superstar to win titles. That's what the Sixers are trying to get. We'll see if they get it. And if for some reason this doesn't work, oh, man, there's going to be a lot of angry Sixers Sixers fans out there because they've been patient. And I believe a lot of people are on board with this. I mean, obviously you're going to have some people who don't like it, and that's understandable because, because, again, you don't have an NBA season. That's just the reality of your life as a Philadelphia 76ers fan. You don't have an NBA season, not unless you want to see your team lose by 53 points, <laughs> not unless you want to see Hollis Thompson. You don't have an NBA season. Are you okay with it? I am. I think it's great. I'm fine with it. Give me a superstar, Sam Hankey. Build me a team. Get me a title. And I'm good. I'm good. Let's go to Michael Vick. And, and you know, Michael Vick came out this week and said, you know what? If I was the starter from day one, things would be different in New York City with the New York Jets. Michael Vick and the New York Jets beat the Steelers. Last Sunday, and, and, you know, no one expected that. I mean, Big Ben, 12 touchdowns in the last two weeks. He was a turnover machine on Sunday. And the New York Jets, see, here's the funny thing. The New York Jets, what they did on Sunday against the Steelers is what was, I, I think, was the blueprint for the Jets coming into the season. Tough defense, opportunistic defense, turn you over. And your quarterback doesn't make mistakes, makes some plays, and ultimately you get the W. Well, that's what we saw on Sunday. We saw a defense that caused turnovers, that you know got after that Steelers offense. And this was a high-flying, high-powered Steelers, Steelers offense. Intercepted Big Ben twice. Intercepted Ben Roethlisberger twice. And so... And also, they fumbled two times. Antonio Brown put the ball on the turf two times. So four turnovers. Four turnovers. And so the reality of that is that's what the Jets wanted to do all year long. Turn you over, play tough defense, and get a clean game from your quarterback. Geno Smith was supposed to be the quarterback that was supposed to give you that clean game. Well, he didn't. He didn't at all. And you look at the Jets. Let's just go through their schedule. Michael Vick says, right now the Jets are 2-8. and eight. Michael Vick says, you know what? If I'm the quarterback from day one, it's a different story. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's basically what he said. Week two, well, week one, they beat the Oakland Raiders with uh, Geno Smith. That would have happened with Michael Vick as well. Week two, and, and this one gets bad for the New York Jets, because at that point, they go on an eight-game losing streak. At Green Bay, they were pretty competitive in that football game. Got out to an early start, got out to an early lead, but ultimately they lost. Could Michael Vick and the Jets have won that game? Well, that game was there for the taking. And they needed a quarterback who could make some plays. And Geno Smith, God bless his heart, but he he's a quarterback that unfortunately – is not in a position to make plays. He's not a playmaker. I mean, this Jets offense, 32nd in passing yards per game. 32nd. So they're bad. They're bad. They, they've shown the ability not to be able to throw the ball down the field. They're a bad team. Well, next week against Chicago, 
another competitive football game. If they would have gotten some decent quarterback play, they could have won that game. That was a Monday night game. They lose 27-19. Maybe with Vic, they get that W. Maybe. Maybe if Vic is there, they get that W. You know what? I'm going to say Michael Vick is there, they get the W. So if let's just say Michael Vick now has started the first three weeks, the the Jets would be 2-1 if Michael Vick started the first two weeks. First three weeks, I should say. Week four, Detroit comes to town. Detroit wins 24-17, to a very competitive football game, and they needed a quarterback. Geno Smith was awful that day as well. And they needed a quarterback who could make plays. Michael Vick couldn't make those plays. You know what? I'm saying the Jets would win that game. So after four weeks, I had the Jets at 3-1 and one with Michael Vick as the starter. At San Diego, they were awful that day. With Vick, with Geno Smith, and Vick came in in the second half, they probably lose that one. Against the Denver Broncos the following week at home, they were competitive in this football game. Very competitive in this football game. And they had an opportunity. I'm not saying Michael Vick would have put them over the top. I still think they lose that game, and they did lose that game. So with Michael Vick at this point, I have him at 3-2. and two. All right? They would beat – they would lost – well, New England game, week seven. Another close football game, and they needed somebody to get them over the top. Maybe Mike Vick does. You know what? I'm giving Mike Vick that victory. If Mike Vick was there, they would have that victory. They would have that victory. I'm giving Mike Vick that victory. So three and one, three and two, three and three, four and three. They lose to Buffalo. Michael Vick does come into that game, but Geno Smith got off to an awful start. An awful start. Uh, I mean, three interceptions in the first quarter. Michael Vick did come in. He turned the ball over too as well. But who knows? Maybe if he starts from the beginning, it's a different story. But they lost, and I'll say that's a loss. Atkins is a loss. And they beat Buffalo. I mean, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. So after ten weeks, in my opinion, they would have been five and five with Michael Vick, five and five, at five hundred. And and quite frankly, looking at the way the AFC stacks up, looking at the way the AFC stacks up, they might have been in position. To, well, they would be in position to, to compete for a playoff spot. Just looking at the AFC, they're there. It was. It's there for the taking in terms of a wild-card spot. I mean, you got a lot of teams floating around and hovering around that 500 mark in the AFC. So, heck, I'm not saying the Jets would have got to the playoffs on Michael Vick because that offense, there's not a lot of weapons. Not a lot of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, and, and you know, and their defense, quite frankly, has been awful. And that's one of the reasons they stunk this year. Their, their secondary has been awful. And, and and teams have had big games against that Jets secondary. I mean, big games. But if I look looking at the AFC, I mean, Indianapolis on top of the South, Denver on top of the West, Cleveland and a shocker on top of the North, and the AFC East, New England on top there. But again, if the Jets were five and five, hypothetically speaking, well, they would be in the mix. Miami would have. The second wild card spot, the first wild card spot, I should say, would be Kansas City. They would have it, and the second would be Miami. So the Jets would be right there. Miami six and three, six and four, excuse me, and the Jets are five and five under Michael Vick, in my opinion, just my opinion, obviously. So they would have been right there in terms of a playoff spot if Michael Vick was there, just my opinion. And here's also. A little caveat with, with all this. Michael Vick has not shown the ability to stay healthy. Let, let's be clear about that as well. I love Michael Vick. Let, let, let's be also clear about that. I'm a Michael Vick guy. But Michael Vick has not been able to stay healthy throughout the course of his career. That's just the reality of his life and the reality of his situation. He has not stayed healthy. He, he's just not. But so you you got to throw that in there, and, and maybe Michael Vick goes down with an injury along the way. I don't know. But I thought coming into this season, I mean, you can look at the last two seasons, and, and John Edzik comes in as the general manager of the New York Jets. He drafts Geno Smith, 
on some level, Geno Smith becomes his guy. And and so Mark Sanchez, you know, he goes down with that uh, shoulder injury last season. He was out for the year. And you could argue that maybe Sanchez should have been the starter last year with the Jets. And you definitely could have argued this year that Michael Vick should, should have been the starter of the New York Jets. I mean, I, I guess you can. It, it's kind of early to say whether or not Geno Smith can can be an NFL quarterback in this league. I, I don't think he can. I, I've seen enough, personally. I, I see a guy who's erratic and accurate at times. I, I've seen enough. I, I'm good. I don't need to see no more. Geno Smith, to me, is is not an NFL. can't get it done. He can't get it done. And, again, again, just my opinion, he's only 24. His, he's only two years in the league. So there's still an opportunity for him to become a better player. There's still not an opportunity for that. So that that you, there's still a chance that he could he could turn this whole thing around and become an NFL quarterback. There's still that possibility. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. But again, there is always that possibility. We'll see if that possibility will happen somewhere. Down the line, you wonder if it's going to be with the New York Jets. We all know Rex Ryan is probably going after this year. And you wonder what happens with Idzik. Because he, uh, th- th- this roster has his name all over it in terms of some of the draft picks and in terms of the quarterback. The quarterback is the general manager's quarterback. That's the general manager's quarterback. That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. In my Terrell Owens voice. That's my quarterback, John Edsick's quarterback. And his quarterback has been awful. Make sure you stick around. Make sure you stick around because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to answer this. I'm going to answer this. Mark Sanchez. Can Mark Sanchez and the Philadelphia Eagles, Mark Sanchez led the Philadelphia Eagles, could they possibly make some noise in the playoffs and possibly even go to the Super Bowl, could it happen? Could it happen? We'll answer that. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That's all That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. And <laughs> before we went to break, I threw a question out there, and I think I have to answer it. Could Mark Sanchez, and it's ironic we're talk, we were talking about the New York Jets and uh, who was who was the who was on the Jets roster last year? Mark Sanchez. Who was on the Eagles roster last year? Michael Vick. So it's almost like the Eagles and the Jets swapped. They swapped backup quarterbacks, and both of the backup quarterbacks are playing at this point in time. It's funny. It's funny. And and Mark Sanchez. I mean, we saw Monday night. We saw Monday night Mark Sanchez and, and his ability. I mean, he played well. I, I can't take anything away from Mark Sanchez and what he did on Monday night. I mean, the, the guy made plays. And, you know, I, I saw the Eagles offense under Nick Foles this season. Wasn't impressed. It wasn't impressed. And the, the Eagles are worth 6-2 and two with Nick Foles. And Nick Foles made plays when he needed to make plays down the stretch. He did. But he was a turnover machine, an absolute turnover machine for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I watched Mark Sanchez Monday night, and comparison to Nick Foles, Nick Foles, not a very athletic guy, 
questionable arm strength. Mark Sanchez doesn't have a big-time arm, but his arm seems a little more electric than Nick Foles. Obviously, Mark Sanchez has a little more athletic ability than Nick Foles. I mean, Mark Sanchez can move a little bit. I mean, he's not Michael Vick, but he can move. And we saw Monday night against the Carolina Panthers, and defensively, Carolina is struggling. They're struggling as a football team, offensively, defensively. Cam Newton, you know, we were all saying, get Cam out of there. I mean, he was taking a beating. He wasn't getting it done. He was, it wasn't getting moving around the way we're used to seeing Cam move around. I mean, he was ineffective throwing interceptions here, there, everywhere. He was not good on Monday night. But Mark Sanchez was. He was. He was good. I, I, he was good. You know, 20 for 37. Obviously, you want to see a better completion percentage. But over 300 yards, two touchdowns. You know, so he was decent. He, he played good football. You know, I think also that was a byproduct of uh, – here's the thing. I, I mean, good game, Mark Sanchez. I'll give you credit. You balled out. But the reality is this. I, I want to see this team – I want to see Sanchez and the Eagles against a better football team. Because Carolina, they came in. I mean, like I said, Cam Newton was turning the football over left and right. And they really didn't bring much to the table Monday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. But this week, the Philadelphia Eagles go to Lambeau. They go to Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay Packers offense is putting up points right now. They're making some plays. Rodgers is playing some big-time football for the Green Bay Packers. He really is. He's been getting it done over the past few weeks. So now, Philadelphia travels to Green Bay. One thing we know about the Green Bay Packers is they score points. They they they, they put it up. They they definitely score points. They they definitely get the ball in the end zone. And their quarterback is one of the reasons why. Aaron Rodgers, he's a beast. He's a beast. And so you look at it, and you look at the Green Bay Packers, and you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, to me, in this particular game, they're going to have to score points. They're going to have to score points if they want to beat the Green Bay Packers. And these are two, you know, the two of the highest scoring, highest scoring teams per game in the league. I mean, Philadelphia averages 31 points a game. Green Bay, 30.8 points per game. So uh, you look at this game, you expect shootout. You, you expect two teams that can score, get up and down the field and score. And so I'm interested to see now Mark Sanchez in this situation. I'm interested to see Mark Sanchez now, because he's going to have to put up points. I'm interested to see if Mark Sanchez can put up a bunch of points. I I, I want to see that. And these defenses, I mean, you, you just look at it. Philadelphia, they give up 22 points a game. And Green Bay... They give up 22.8 points per game. So they give up points. Their defenses give up points, and then the offenses give up points. The offense scores points, and the defense gives up points. I'm interested to see. I, I, I can't wait. Should be great. It's going to be very exciting. Let's take a call. Hello, you don't go for it. What's going on, brother? How are you? Nosh. I'm good, man. You know how it is, man. Thanks for the call. Oh, wait. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, the, the the great Mark Sanchez is back. Uh, not because he's good, but because he's playing in Chip Kelly's system, which uh, okay. limits mistakes, uh, limits the amount of time the ball's in the air because you're throwing a lot of short screens, you know, jet sweeps, and they're using the whole field. So Nick Foles I don't think is really good either, but Sanchez will be able to play uh, somewhat similar to him. So – the, the the biggest question will be if some GM is stupid enough during this next offseason to think that Sanchez is good now because he played for Chip Kelly. Because he, he's going to put up some numbers playing for Chip, man. Uh, for sure. And here's the, the thing. I mean, one thing about that offense, guys get open. And yep. <laughs> the, the design of the offense, people get open. And Nick Foles benefited from that last season and benefited from that partly this season, though he was a turnover machine. But he, he played decent football. Mark Sanchez, he looked great in that offense. And you wonder, 
let, let me ask you this, and here's the most important question. Can the Philadelphia Eagles win a Super Bowl with Mark Sanchez as their quarterback? Tell me. Uh, I would say yes, it's possible, but I would say no with this particular roster. I don't think their talent is good enough to win a Super Bowl, but the talent that Chip Kelly has is good enough to win, uh, you know, double-digit games during a season and to make the playoffs. So, I mean, they're going to look really, really good, but I can't see them getting past the NFC Championship game against a solid team. So, Well, let me ask you this. We look at the NFC. I mean – Arizona Cardinals are eight and one. Drew Stanton's the quarterback. Seattle, I mean, they're six and three, but they've been up and down. Green Bay, they're they're putting up points, but they're beatable. Dallas, we don't know what Dallas. They got Tony Romo, and Tony Romo is back. They're seven and three, but Dallas is kind of unpredictable. And Detroit at seven and two, they're kind of unpredictable. So I say to you that the NFC, yes, I don't think the Eagles have enough to win it, but I will say this. It's pretty wide open, and they have an opportunity. Like, there is not a clear-cut favorite in the NFC. No, no, I I agree with that. There's no clear-cut favorite, and they have an opportunity, but I would put them under the the moniker of a playoff team, not a real contender. It's kind of like the NBA. The Portland Trail Blazers are good. They're going to make the playoffs, but they ain't winning no chip. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. But uh, like I said – Sanchez is going to play well during the, with this system. And, and like I said, who knows if people start to over-evaluate it uh, because they don't realize that what Chip Kelly does is use the best of what people can do. So sure. I, I think Kelly's on the next level right now as far as the NFL coaching because we've had so many guys be determined to structure everything with their scheme. doesn't matter the talent. Everything is about their scheme. And then they get fired and they, you know, they blame everybody else when – you should be maximizing whatever talent your players have. And if it's pretty good talent, then you should figure out a way to maximize it. But we got so many coaches so stuck in their ways. But uh, I think those days are coming to an end because you can't keep giving quarterbacks $80 million if they're not the real deal. For sure. And, we, we I mean, what, Jay Cutler, he's getting a boatload of money. And mm-hmm. he stinks. I mean, big time. I mean, he's, he's been awful this year. Awful this year. He's got a bunch of money. I mean, Andy Dalton been a little up and down, and he's got a bunch of money. So you're right. I mean, you're, you're giving out all this money to these quarterbacks, and they're not getting it done, <laughs> not getting it done at all. And, you know, Chip's – I mean, Chip has been innovative. I, I do think defenses have caught up a little bit. I, I definitely think they've caught, caught up a little bit. But you wonder now, because I don't think Chip has had his quarterback yet. He had Michael Vick. No. He started out the season, got hurt, went to Nick Foles. Nick Foles was successful, got him to the playoffs. Now he's hurt. He has Mark Sanchez. Sanchez, excuse me. I don't think at this point Chip Kelly has ever gotten his quarterback. You wonder what would happen if Chip Kelly got the quarterback that he wanted, that he really wants. And that's, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting with Mariota in the draft. But another thing with Chip you got to consider is he doesn't care who the quarterback is. As long as they have a certain skill set, he feels like he can win with whoever. Now, that's a little, you know, egotistic, egotistical probably, but I think that's how Chip thinks of, uh, you know, thinks of quarterbacks in that fashion because just, just look, I mean, look at the roster. He didn't feel he had a need to do anything this offseason. Right. Well, in actuality, I mean, he dropped to Sean Jackson for nothing. Right. You know I mean, so – well, he you know, didn't like and the shot, I, so that, you know, that happens. I, I still I still think that was a mistake, but, well, I mean, he, they're winning. Jeremy Macklin's putting up big-time numbers. But I, I would – could you imagine Macklin and Deshaun in this offense together? It would have been amazing. Added Sproles oh, yeah. as well. I mean, it would have been crazy. But, you know, Chip Kelly did what Chip Kelly wanted to do. And that's one of the that, – that, that, that's my biggest issue with Chip Kelly is – I think he feels like that his system is inter- everybody's interchangeable. Everybody can be replaced, and on some level, there's some truth to that. But you know, Deshaun Jackson, he put up big time numbers, and you know, he did just gave him away for nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I just, right. I mean, it's done. He's gone. It's over. But I still got an issue with that. And at this point in time, the Eagles have overcome it. I mean, at this point, you can say they overcome uh, not having Deshaun Jackson, but we'll see what happens moving forward. Right, and and as we come closer to the playoffs, you start playing better teams. In the playoffs, you're playing the kind of, you know, the elite of the elite, 
and then the Chip Kelly stuff starts to go a little wayside. I think at that point people will realize, like, Chip is good enough. It's like it's damn, damn near like Peyton Manning. He's good enough to where he can get you ten wins just through sure. his genius and innovation of uh, offensive football. But when you get to the playoffs, look, man, talent talent is talent. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For sure. You can coach him up all you want to. For sure. And, and exactly. I mean, but at the end of the day, you need somebody who can play. You need talent in the <laughs> right. NFL, and talent wins in the NFL. Coaching does too, but you need talent. Right, right. And, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the field is. I, I think you raised a great point earlier, though, uh, bringing up the Jets and saying if they'd have started Michael Vick, they'd probably be in much better be in a much better position. But, you know, from the top, management comes down and says, look, we drafted this guy. We want to see if he's for real. For so sure. you sit, Mike, you lose games. And Rex will probably be the highest-paid defensive coordinator next year, uh, as he should be. <laughs> For sure. And he, I mean, you could say Rex. I mean, this was John Idzik's move. I mean, you, you can even argue this. Last season, you know, when they had Mark Sanchez out there in that meaningless uh, preseason game against the Giants where he hurt his shoulder, you can argue yep. that Mark Sanchez probably would have been the starter last year with the Jets at some point during that season. And you can argue and a legitimate argument that Michael Vick easily could have been a starter for the Jets this whole season. You know, Smith stinks. He's, he's uh, that, that, that shoulder injury is the best thing that ever happened to Mark Sanchez. Got him out of New York, a, a got him in Philly, guy. and That's now he's on the East Coast. For sure. <laughs> Thanks for the call. No problem, man. Hold it down. Have a good show, bro. Appreciate it. Nas, a regular caller to the show. Good to have him back. But, you know, I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I disagree with Nas a little bit because I think – the NFC is so wide open. I can't say definitively that the Eagles don't have enough. I, I can't say that because I, I look at the NFC and, you know, I, I'm just going down the line and, and I'm looking at some of these teams and, and I'm saying Detroit, I don't trust them. You trust Detroit? I don't trust them. It, here's, here's the funny part. It I'm I'm funny, might be funny for, for me, but it might not be funny for some of these uh, teams around the league and some of these fan bases around the league. But there's going to be a good football team that's sitting at home. And here's the thing. Let's just uh, let's just go hypothetical. We're going hypothetical here. Philly wins the NFC East. Detroit wins the NFC North. New Orleans wins the South. Arizona wins the West. Now you have two spots left, okay? And those two spots are going to come down. Dallas will be in the mix. Green Bay will be in the mix. Seattle and San Francisco will be in the mix. So four Good football teams. Well, two of the, you know, two of those good football teams will be sitting at home, and you know, so there's going to be some good football teams in the NFC that's going to be home watching the playoffs. They're going to be home. They're going to be on, you know, they're they're going to be at the golf course somewhere. They're going to be on vacation at Disney World with their family somewhere. Two good football teams. It's going to happen in the NFC. Not everybody can make it. Now, if I was predicting this thing, and, you know, I, I, I did no research at all. This is just off the top of my head looking at their standings right now. I think Dallas gets in, and I think Seattle gets in. And I think, I think Detroit falls off. And this is just off the top of my head. I think Detroit falls off. And, you know, just looking at the lines in their schedule, and I know they got a tough schedule coming up. Miami, no, excuse me, at Arizona next Sunday, the 16th, this Sunday, excuse me, at Arizona, at New England the following week. So that's two tough football games there, two very tough football games. At Arizona, at New England, granted, Arizona has a backup quarterback in Drew Stanton, but Arizona's a good football team. And New England – they have Brady, and they're playing good football right now. So their next two weeks is going to be tough. And, well, actually, looking at their schedule, other than the next two weeks, they have Chicago after that, Tampa, Minnesota, all at home, a three-game stretch against Chicago, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota. You should win those three games. So Detroit actually might get it. Maybe I need to rethink this, the whole thing. But, I mean, the bottom line, I don't trust the Detroit Lions. I don't trust them. I, I just don't. They're seven to two. Matt Stafford's making some big plays down the stretch. You know they're 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 winning. 
late. I mean, Atlanta, they won late. New Orleans, they won late. And last week against the Dolphins, they won late. So they're, they're winning in, in, in a very exciting fashion. And, and, you know, they're making comebacks. And, you know, Atlanta was on top of them big time. And, you know, they were losing to Atlanta. It was 21-3 to at one point. And, you know, they made a comeback and, and got back into that football. And they were down 21 to nothing at one point to the Atlanta Falcons. But they came back, scored 22 straight points, and got the victory at the buzzer. You know, they, they got the victory. But the thing is, you know, this team, Matt Stafford, their quarterback, you know, he's a good quarterback. But do you trust Matt Stafford? And, and that's a good question. That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if I trust this team. This is, and, and I know they've been a little more disciplined under Jim Caldwell. But over the years, this has been a, been a very undisciplined football team. Maybe they work through that. Maybe they're good to go. We shall see. But the NFC is going to be interesting. There's going to be two good football teams sitting at home, and that should be interesting to see who those two good football teams will be. The NFC East is going to be fun. I mean, you know, on Thanksgiving you got Dallas and Philadelphia, and that's going to be exciting. And that's going to tell us a lot. I mean, I know those two teams play again after that. But it's going to tell us a lot on some level about these teams. It's going to tell us a lot about the NFC East. And so and you got to favor the Cowboys in that particular football game because that game is in Dallas. you got to favor the Cowboys. But I, I think Philadelphia and Dallas split. I really do. So it should be interesting to see what happens with the other football games. The Giants and the Redskins, they may decide the NFC East moving forward. That should be The Giants and Redskins might decide the NFC East because they both have uh, games against the Cowboys and Eagles. So those two teams could decide the NFC East, so, but that should be fun, and, and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait in my Bart Scott voice. Can't wait. Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall, and, and, and I heard Her- Herman Edwards always say, watch what you do before you press send. Watch what you say before you press send on Twitter, on Facebook. I mean, you you got to be careful. You got to watch what you say and what you do. And Brandon Marshall, you know, he's going back and forth with a uh, Detroit Lions fan, and you know, he's talking about staging a boxing match for twenty five grand. Ultimately, he did say it's for charity, and that's always a good thing. But here's the thing, and, and I heard Skip Bayless say this, and you know, I I don't quote Skip Bayless a lot, but. You know, I heard him say, you know, you got to be careful in terms of engaging and going back and forth with fans because you got guys on Twitter who obviously on social media, you can be anything that you want to be. you got a lot of tough guys on Twitter who, who, who say and do what they, whatever they want to do, and whatever they want to say, and they, they don't care. Why? They have nothing to lose. And so they go back and forth with a player, and they incite a player, they provoke a player, and a player starts saying some stupid stuff. And they'll always get you in trouble. Watch what you do. Before, watch what you say. Watch what you write. Double check before you press send because once it's out there, it's out there. And you can't get it back. You can't. You can't get it back. And so once it's out there, it is out there. Kobe Bryant. I mean, you look at Kobe Bryant and, and you know, People say, do you feel sorry for Kobe Bryant? No, I don't. Kobe Bryant, he chose to sign two years, $48 million. You can You can argue on, on some level he chose money over championships and titles and things of that nature. But the Lakers stink. They're one in seven. They're like the Sixers. Here's the reality of the Lakers. And, and, and if I'm a Lakers fan, I'll wa- I will want my team to tank. I want them to tank, 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 tank. You know why? Because... Their pick, if it's not in the top five, their pick goes to the Phoenix Suns because of the Steve Nash trade. And that trade and that those moves, Howard and, and Steve Nash, they backfired on the Lakers, and this franchise has never been the same. It's going to take a while for them to rebound from it. But Kobe Bryant, he's shooting the ball. He's, he's putting up points and so on and so forth. He's only shooting 38% from the field, so under 40%. But – and he's only averaging three, 3.6 assists a, a game, but he's scoring 27.5 points a game. Heck, Kobe Bryant 
might win the scoring title. And if he stays healthy, he probably will win the scoring title. I mean, he's he's on top of the league and scoring at 27.5 points per game. The next guy is James Harden at 25 points per game. Kobe is going to have to shoot the basketball and score points if the Lakers are going to have any shot in any particular ball game. He's going to have to score a lot. He's going to have to put the ball up a lot. And he's going to do it. He has to do it. So if Kobe stays healthy, if he can stay healthy, he'll have a scoring title. Well, I mean, that's something you can take with you, even though your your team stinks. I mean, that's something you could take with you. It's, it's an accomplishment. I mean, you know, it's 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 not a great accomplishment when your team stinks, but it is an accomplishment. I mean, scoring title is a scoring title. I mean, you know, for whatever that's worth, it is an accomplishment. And, you know, I heard Stephen A. Smith say maybe Kobe should ask for a trade and maybe Kobe should want out of this situation. Well, you know, you could argue that Kobe put the Lakers in this situation by taking the money that he took. And, and there's no there's no guarantee that even if you would have gave the Lakers a, a hometown discount, there's no guarantee that they would have gotten another free agent in there. No guarantees at all. Because it seems like Melo, he was staying in New York. It seems like LeBron, if he wasn't going staying in Miami, he was going to Cleveland. So there's no telling whether or not, you know, whether or not the, the Lakers would have been in position or they would have been in a position because they would have had extra money, but there's no telling if guys would have actually taken the Lakers' money. I mean, maybe Kobe should have should have uh, did some things to, to appease Dwight Howard and try to keep him in the fold because, obviously, if you have Kobe and Dwight Howard, you're going to have guys who would be willing to come to that situation. Maybe Kobe should have did that. Maybe he could have done that. I don't know. But the Lakers stink. They're 1-7, and, and I feel bad for – you know, I don't feel bad for Kobe. I feel bad for Byron Scott because this is a guy, you know, first two seasons as a coach with the Nets, took him to the NBA Finals two times. You know, things started to fall apart. Jason Kidd ultimately got him fired. We all know that's the truth. He got fired from there. He went to New Orleans. He had some successful teams with New Orleans. That didn't work out. Ultimately, he got fired. He, he's resurfaced now. And, you know, I, I want to see Byron Scott be successful. And and so, you know, obviously it doesn't help that he has a bad basketball team. That that doesn't help his situation. That doesn't help at all. That doesn't help. They're a bad basketball team. And they might win or, or they may they may they may they may also challenge the Sixers for the worst record in basketball. Also Byron Scott coached for the Cavaliers. But and that was after that was after LeBron that was post LeBron. So the reality is, I, I feel sorry for Byron Scott because I think he's a good coach, and I think he's in a crummy, bad situation. He is. It's a bad situation for the Los Angeles Lakers. A bad situation to be a coach. You are in complete rebuild mode. You're in rebuild mode in Los Angeles. Byron Scott was in rebuild mode in Cleveland. So. You know, it's is it fair? No, and you know, heck, he is a coach in the NBA, and there's only 30 jobs like that. So you know, he, he's winning because he's a coach. But the reality is, you you always, I mean, I, I think Byron Scott's a good coach, and I would I would would want to see him in a better situation. This Lakers situation is not a good situation at all. About another minute in the show, Bernard Hopkins. Last week, he fought Serge, uh, Kovalev, Sergey Kovalev. Kovalev dominated Bernard Hopkins. It wasn't close. I was concerned just watching the fight. That I know Kovalev has power. I was concerned that Kovalev could hurt Bernard Hopkins. He's 49 years old. And, and Kovalev was beating him up in that 12th round. But Bernard, his big-time granite chin, you know, he survived it with that big-time granite chin. But he had no shot in the fight. The fight wasn't even close. Kovalev won every single round, and, and it wasn't even close in dominating fashion. But Bernard could still fight. He's still going to stick around. I think he's going to fight till he's 50. I think he's going to fight at the age of 50. And hopefully at that point he doesn't get hurt, and hopefully maybe he'll move on with his life. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go 4 g o f o r i t g a n t. Hit us up 
on our YouTube channel, YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for it can't for everybody here. Go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care.